HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Wides, your host. Now, if you've been listening to the show this summer, you maybe have picked up on a theme, an underlying current. I, I've been on what seems to be an exploration of identity this summer. Have you noticed that? Trying to figure out some stuff about who we are as a country, as a people, as eaters of food. Not so much about my identity, because I I know who I am. I know thyself. Well, you know, pretty well. I don't always love thyself, but I like her pretty much most of the time. And, you know, that's about as much as you can ask of yourself, right? I mean, I'm okay with me. I'm doing all right. It's been more of an exploration on the nature of things. More philosophical. An exploration of what makes something what it is. What makes an identity an identity? Is it just inherent? Do you choose it? Are you born with it? Is it simply a matter of being what you call yourself? Like, if you build it, they will come. Or like, The Secret. You know, that Oprah book. Like, just ask the universe for it, or just say it out loud, and it'll happen. Which I think was kind of the principles of est also like if i suddenly decided to call myself let's say a national media sensation and best-selling author even though i'm just on a podcast and i can't even get any publishers interested in let's get real the book for some reason like something like that is that how it all works do you just say it to be it i don't know 
in our instant celebrity and Snapchat attention spam world, you don't even have to be anything to be famous. You just be famous. But famous does not an identity make. There's a lot more to it than that, right? I hope so. Please say yes. Now, this has nothing to do with food, of course. Not really. I mean, there are some really, really famous foods and brands out there that actually say and do exactly what they've presented themselves as. I, I can't really think of any at the moment, but there, there are some. Uh, not that exactly that they're honest, but, you know, they're saying and doing what they say they do, which is somewhat admirable. I, I think that what I mean is that there's an awful lot of impersonations in food or of co-opting or of simply stealing a name of one food and tacking it onto another food, one food pretending to be another food. I mean, that is truly the kind of the root principle of foodiness, isn't it? Come to think about it. And that's what I talked about last week on my show last week about non-milk milks. You remember that one, right? If it doesn't come from a nipple, it's not milk. Well, last week I babbled on about language also and how it, it fails us too, like so many empty foodiness promises. English, it's beautiful in a lot of ways, but it leaves us bereft of apropos words. You like that in one sentence? Bereft of apropos words. For so many things, like how do we describe the taste of a red wine or the term for a long-time non-married spouse? No words for that in English. Take the example of calling hemp milk, which I mentioned last week, the latest of the non-milk milks to hit the shelves, milk. Even though I've never seen a nipple on a hemp plant, even after years of partaking in the non-legal form of hemp, no nipples have ever been seen. Hemp milk is something, but it's not milk. What it is, is an untitled, unnamed substance. We don't have the word. And that yawning chasm in our language extends far beyond the realm, uh, realm of milk. Whether we actually have a word that works or not in the world of food and foodiness, sorry, whether we actually have a word that works or not in the world of food and foodiness, all kinds of shenanigans take place with naming food products. Like, let's say, cream, spelled C-R-E-M-E, or K-R-E-M-E, or cheese, with a Z, or calling things fruity, or buttery, or nutty. Now, did anyone ever think fruity pebbles had real fruit in them? Or my famous line, does a goldfish cracker actually have real goldfish in it? Maybe fruity pebbles had real pebbles in it, but mm, real fruit? I mean, I would take the leap about the pebbles, but mm, I don't know if it ever had any real fruity in it. Come to think of it, do you think anyone ever eats their bowl of fruity pebbles floating in a pool of pink-tinged, fruity-flavored hemp milk? I shudder to think. Stoners, maybe? Yeah, probably. Conflicted former hippie parents of little kids who don't want to give their kids cow's milk? Uh, yeah, probably. Sugar addicts with lactose intolerance? You'd be better off just eating a bowl of real pebbles, not fruity pebbles. Just put real milk on them and make sure that you chew them thoroughly. So this week, leaving behind the world of non-milk milks, because really, how much more can I actually say about them? I mean, I could go on and on, but I'm not sure that I want to hear the answer. So I'm sure you've heard enough about that. We're done with the non-milk milks. So how about the world of the non-butter butters? Seems like the logical next step, right? The next leap. 
If cheese is milk's leap toward immortality, which some famous guy said, I can't remember who, then butter is what? Something on the way, similarly. So what about the world of non-butter butters? Now, not real delicious, creamy, actual dairy butter made from cream from cow's milk. I'm not talking about that. And I'm not talking about the unspeakably disgusting world of margarine and other non-dairy spreads, which as far as I'm concerned should be banned along with cigarettes and cake-flavored vodka. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the other butters. The other butters. The one made of usually okay stuff, but that can't seem to find their necessary descriptive second noun. Stuff like peanut butter or other nut butters or apple butter or pumpkin butter. What about body butter? Is body butter made from human fat? Maybe I can partner up with a plastic surgeon and buy up all their surplus liposuction fat and turn it into body butter. And then we can use it to feed people in places with severe hunger. Oh, wait a second. Somebody just told me body butter is just another misnomer for moisturizer. I did not know that. But if you call it butter, it just costs more and it comes in a nicer looking container, apparently. We're going to take a very short break. When we come back, more about non-butter butters. We'll be right back. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. Welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Weitz. So we're talking about non-butter butters, following up on our show about non-milk milks. Not just about the non-butter butters and non-milk milks, but also about how language fails us because we don't have terms for what those things are. So, yeah, nut butters, fruit butters, body butters. I kind of get it. Creamy, smooth, spreadable. But what about cookie butter? What? What is that? What the hell is cookie butter? Jack, have you ever heard of cookie butter? No. Okay, well, get ready because I'm going to blow your mind here. And you've heard it all, probably. So cookie butter has just started to appear on my Korean War era radar screen lately. Um, Note to self, update the radar technology this fall. And I've been seeing people buying cookie butter lately at, yes, Trader Joe's. Now, I like Trader Joe's. There are things there that I buy. I support them. I think they're a good company, even though they're owned by some weird, crazy German conglomerate family. And mm, that's another story. But there are good things at Trader Joe's. This is not a criticism of Trader Joe's. I like them. If they wanted to support the show, we would be happy to hear from them. But people line up out the door in New York City to go to Trader Joe's, which is insane. Because I went to the one right on Hollywood Boulevard in L.A. a few weeks ago, and there was no line. So New York, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But at Trader Joe's, I was seeing people buying this product called cookie butter, and I had very little clue as to what it was. So... 
I did a little research on it because I couldn't figure out whether its purpose was something other than as a stoner food. And it turns out that cookie butter is actually Trader Joe's number one best-selling product. Number one. It's not the big bars of chocolate. It's not the organic milk. It's not the frozen chicken shumai that I sometimes enjoy. It's not the avocados for a dollar piece. It's the cookie butter. Number one product. Number two is their triple ginger ginger snaps, which my tailor turned me on to. Oddly enough, he keeps a tub of them around when he's shortening all my pants because I have 25-inch inseam. And he said he goes through a tub of them a week. He's addicted and they're delicious. But the number one best-selling product at Trader Joe's is their Speculoos cookie butter. Speculoos. Now, Speculoos are a Dutch butter cookie, very old-fashioned cookie that have a caramelized sugary surface and kind of a cinnamony flavor and are incredibly delicious. So I guess what happened is that people wanted their delicious cookies in a delivery system that allowed them to ingest many, many, many more cookies at a time without the pesky, annoying chewing part of the process to slow down their inhalation process of the cookies. Now, if you've ever eaten a Biscoff brand cookie, Biscoff, the first time I had them was on a plane. They taste like those. Now, I love the Biscoff cookies and my friend Ida, you all know about Ida. She found Biscoff cookies at some odd lot store the other day for like, you know, three packs for $2 and she bought me some this weekend and I, yeah, ate most of them. So I'm kind of doomed. But anyway, back to the cookie butter spread. So this cookie butter spread, number one selling product at Trader Joe's is made from cookies, presumably cookie butter spread. Now, let's take this downstairs into the fallout shelter and really analyze it in the lab, shall we? Let's break it down. Now, everybody, please put on your lab coats and your safety goggles because, you know, safety is our priority here in the foodiness fallout shelter lab because we don't have any insurance. Um, And let's really examine what cookie butter is. Okay, so it's a jar that looks like a jar of peanut butter. You would almost think it was peanut butter, same color, Same texture, same jar, but it's a jar of very smooth, spreadable, finely ground up cookie dust and hydrogenated vegetable oils and fats and additional sugar with all the texture and satisfying creaminess of peanut butter, but none of the actual beneficial protein, omega-3s and other good fats of peanuts or other nuts, not to mention the trace minerals abundant in all nuts. What does it have in it? Basically sugar, plain old white sugar, carbs, bad fats. That's what it is. None of the good stuff of peanut butter. No, it's just cookie spread. That's what it is. It's so kind of out there and bizarre, but also so honest that it's it's like it's like a philosophical black hole of cookiness. I don't I don't I don't get it. I mean, what's the matter? You can't just eat a cookie. You have to turn it into a buttery spread. Yet again, it's the infantilization of America that I have talked about many, many times on this show. This infantilized need we have for making things that don't really require much effort to eat. Did you lose all your teeth? Do we need cookies you can spoon directly from a jar? Do people people pour melted cookie butter spread over their cookie dough ice cream and wash it down with cookie-flavored coffee lightened with Girl Scout cookie-flavored creamer? Uh, yes. 
they do. The label even encourages the consumer to melt it in the microwave and use it as a sauce or a dip. You can't do that with something if it's based on actual butter, by the way. You can only do it if it's based on, like, Crisco, like hydrogenated vegetable oils. It wouldn't melt right if it was just butter. It would just separate like butter. What they should do, if Trader Joe's were smart, is just sell the cookie butter spread with a bonus souvenir Trader Joe's branded bong attached because it's pretty obvious who they are marketing this stuff to. And let's just be forthright and come out with it and say that's who's buying it. And that's okay. Make marijuana legal in the state. I don't care. It's your right. Do whatever you want. But let's be clear about it. Now, in my hours and hours of meticulous research that I spent on cookie butter online, investigating what this really is, I saw a lot of images and I saw pictures and recipes for cookie butter sandwich cookies. Think about that. Homemade cookie butter sandwich cookies. So is it just me or isn't that like some kind of weird form of like not like cannibalism or something. There's something really like meta and surreal about that. It's like the snake eating its own tail. Like it seems almost obscene to me or, or cruel or just weird to take cookies in all their simple cookie glory and then grind them into dust, mix the dust with vegetable shortenings and extra sugar, put that in a jar and then scoop it back out and spread it back between two more cookies. I don't know. Is it just me? I think there's something really wrong there. I was talking about it last night with Adam, you know, my spouse with no name. Well, his name is Adam, but we're not married and there's no name for what we are. So I call him my spouse. And he said it's almost like the turducken of cookies. That maybe we should take the cookie butter sandwich cookie and then bake it inside of a jelly donut and sandwich that between the layers of a red velvet cake. And then maybe deep fry the whole thing. And then we'd be talking. Or maybe the cookie butter, maybe I'm just missing the whole point here or the whole idea. Maybe it's more like a vaguely or overtly modernist molecular cuisine approach to food. Maybe I should get Dave Arnold back in here. He was just on. Maybe he'd have something to say about it. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's such sophisticated and advanced culinary thinking that I'm just too thick-headed and stuck in my traditional ways to recognize the genius of. That could be it. I'm a classically trained chef. I was not really trained in the molecular arts of gastronomy. That all kind of happened a little too late for me. Plus, I think a lot of it's just masturbatory bullshit, to put it bluntly. But it's like if some recent culinary school graduate boys, because most of them in that hardware-intensive world are boys, got together and said, dude, because that's what they call each other, dude, Dude, I know. Let's grind up some of these perfectly good cookies and then we'll mix them with rendered duck fat and transglutaminase meat glue. So it's all stuck together in like a viscous, semi-liquid, massive substance. And then we'll put it in a CO2 siphon bottle and then we'll puff out clouds of it and we'll serve them as a dip on edible packing peanuts made from cornstarch dust. Those are a real thing, by the way. I tried them at Moto in Chicago. Even I can't make that kind of shit up. But then on the same plate, we'll also use the anti-griddle, which is a thing that like freezes instead of cooks, which seems really dumb to me, and spread them really thin to make super thin frozen wafer cookies with liquid nitrogen added to the butter. And then we'll make a sandwich cookie from both elements, and we'll serve them on one plate. Dude, that'd be totally rad awesome. 
Um, yeah, or you could, you know, just eat the cookies. We have to take another short break here because I'm getting all fired up. So we'll be back momentarily. Erica, before you come back, mm-hmm. BuzzFeed.com, 21 cookie butter recipes they, you must know about. Yeah, the apocalypse is upon us. Yeah. Can you send me that link? I will. <laughs> I may want to do a little cooking this afternoon. You know. Welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network. Food, not cookie butter. Uh, what am I supposed to tell you here? Oh, yeah. Remember, you can find all Heritage Radio Network shows ever on our website, heritageradionetwork.org, which, oh, by the way, is listener-supported, so you should be a member. I'm a member. Jack's a member. We're all members. All the hosts are members. Everyone who listens should be a member. If you're not a member, you need to be because this is where the cool kids hang out. Enough said. You can also find Let's Get Real on Twitter at Let's Get Real Show. There's a Facebook page for Let's Get Real. You can find that, too. And you can visit my website, letsgetrealshow.com, where you can look at all kinds of fun stuff. And I write for the Huffington Post, so if you put my little name right in there, you can read all kinds of fun and interesting articles that I write for the Huffington Post. I also write for newme.com, which is, yes, part of Nutrisystem, but they're trying hard to change their image, and I'm helping them. So I have some good little articles on there, too. If you can't get enough of me with this, there's so much more out there. So, aren't the cookies on their own enough? Isn't it enough to just eat the cookies? When does it stop? Why aren't we happy with just a cookie? Why do we need to turn cookies into butter? If Cookie Monster got a hold of a jar of cookie butter, he'd get it all over his fuzzy blue fur and his monster hands, and it would be a huge mess. And I'm not sure that Cookie Monster actually has a tongue, so how could he lick his fur clean of that mess. Cookie Monster would not eat cookie butter. And he would definitely not be waiting on the huge line of Trader Joe's for his jar. He's happy with the real thing. Cookie Monster is a purist. He may be a monster, but he's a purist monster. And they are very hard to please. It really is like some crazy culinary alchemy. And most cookies already have butter in them anyway. Real butter, like from dairy, from cows, because butter is one of the key ingredients in a good cookie. You know why the refrigerator or frozen cookie dough that you buy, like the Toll House, it used to come in a log that you actually had to slice, but now I think it just comes in little bits that you just put on the pan because apparently we're too stupid to slice anymore. But you know why that dough doesn't taste as good as the stuff you make at home? Butter. The stuff in the refrigerator section doesn't have real butter in it because real butter doesn't last as long. It's filled with, you know what, hydrogenated vegetable oil. Why would you want to eat that shit? So cookie butter, lest I say it again, dare I say it again, I think you get it. It's not made from butter. It's not cookie butter. They're not mixing the cookie dust with real butter. They're making a butter, like nut butters or body butters. Not butter, not real. Trans fat filled, hydrogenated vegetable oils. Yes, butter, nope. It would never have that nice smooth spreadability or meltability as the jar suggests you try. It should be called cookie and fake fat spread with added sugar. That would be an honest title, not mistaken or confusing its own identity there, which is really... What the show is about today, isn't it? 
identity. Who are you? What do you want to be? Do you want to be a real butter or do you want to be a not butter? Think about it. And as far as the other not butters, like nut butters, well, I'm going to let them slide because nut butters are real. They're real food and they're good food and they're not foodiness and they're not crap and they're not anything else. They're just real food as long as they're the good ones. You put some nuts in a food processor or you crush them in a nut grinder or you puree them in a blender. You walk away for a few minutes, you check your email, you look at your Facebook page, maybe, you know, the other grinder if that's what you're into. You come back and you've got nut butter. Do I wish they'd use another word for butter? Of course I do yet again. An identity issue, a failure of English. Am I going to make a big stink about it? No. I'm okay with nut butters, even though they're not butter. Which comes from cream, which comes from milk, which comes from what? That's right, a nipple, not a plant. But I'm going to let it slide. I can be flexible. This one, it's okay. So as the fall season approaches, as the summer dwindles to a close, it begs the question of apple butter or pumpkin butter. What are they? I don't know. They're not butter, certainly. Yet again, they come from plants. Why aren't they called spreads or jam? Why butter? The texture? Okay, I'll allow it. Allowed if I had a gavel. Judgment. Allowed. I have much bigger fish-shaped fish nuggets to fry than to get bent out of shape about apple and pumpkin butter. Fruit butters like apple and pumpkin are simply an old-timey way to use up a surplus of fruit before the winter in a time when getting the most calories a day was much more important and critical to survival than simply loading up your cart at Trader Joe's once a week with tons of packaged goods. It concentrated the food into a smaller package in a non-perishable form. And it concentrated the nutrition, too, in some cases. It's a traditional technique for preserving food. And I love those things. I love all that stuff. I don't eat that sort of stuff much. The pumpkin and nut butters. But I do love the preservation and the old techniques. Gavel, I approve. Let it pass. So what do we do about non-butter butters? Well, like most things, nothing. You have to choose your battles. Unless somebody wants to volunteer a word. Anybody have a word in mind? See, nobody does. Oh, and by the way, if you ever need to amuse a small child or even an easily amused adult for a while, just show them how to make homemade peanut butter. They'll stand there watching the peanuts turn into so-called butter with open mouth amazement and glee. It works on elderly parents, too. You'd be amazed at the simpleton that people turn into when they stand there watching peanuts in the machine turning into peanut butter. It's a good trick. Like if you have to amuse a three-year-old, let's say. And now to end this week's episode of Let's Get Real. I thought it would be appropriate to finish with a quote from the immortal Kurt Vonnegut. Because when I hear anything associated with butter other than real butter, I think of Shaz Butter. Remember Shaz Butter? No? Well, here we go. And the peanut butter eaters on Earth were preparing to conquer the Shaz Butter eaters on the planet in the book by Kilgore Trout. Does this ring any bells yet? By this time, the Earthlings hadn't just demolished West Virginia and Southeast Asia. They had demolished everything. So they were ready to go pioneering again. They studied the Shaz Butter Eaters by means of electronic snooping and determined that they were too numerous and proud and resourceful ever to allow themselves to be pioneered. So the Earthlings infiltrated the ad agency, which had the Shaz Butter account, and they buggered the statistics in the ads. 
They made the average for everything so high that everybody on the planet felt inferior to the majority in every very respect. Then the Earthling armored spaceships came and discovered the planet. Only token resistance was offered here and there because the natives felt so below average. And then the pioneering began. Kurt Vonnegut? Ring any bells? No? College? No? Breakfast of Champions? No? Hmm? Anyone? Well, when I think about butter, I think about jazz butter. I don't think about cookie butter or non-butter butters. Just butter. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us here in the Foodiness Fallout Shelter. You can hang up your lab coats by the door, and you can keep the goggles as a little souvenir. See, they have our little logo on them. They're cute, right? Watch your step on the way out. And uh, we'll see you next week here on Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. Thanks, Jack, in the control room. Thanks, Ben Kaplan, for writing my theme music. Thanks, Kurt Vonnegut. I hope I don't have to pay your estate any money for that. Call my lawyer. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.